This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. In today's brief, we'll talk about what attackums mean for Russia. And did Ukraine cross the Dnipro? I'm Linnea, and today is Thursday, October 19th, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian losses on Tuesday included two tanks, 15 armored combat vehicles, or ACVs, eight artillery systems, a fixed-wing aircraft, six helicopters, 10 unmanned aerial vehicles, called UAVs or drones, and 620 personnel. Russian losses on Wednesday included 11 tanks, 17 ACVs, 39 artillery systems, four multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, an anti-aircraft system, an aircraft, 17 UAVs, and 630 personnel. Ukrainian special operations stated that the attackum strikes at the Russian airfields in occupied Berdyansk and Luhansk on Tuesday destroyed nine Russian helicopters of various models, other unspecified special equipment, an anti-aircraft missile launcher and an ammunition warehouse, and damaged runway infrastructure. It's important to note that the special ops report differs from the GSAFU report. Remember, they said six helicopters, but we have no way to verify those equipment losses. The Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, assessed that Ukrainian attackum strikes on operationally significant Russian airfields in occupied Ukraine will likely prompt Russian command to disperse aviation assets and move some aircraft to airfields further from the front line. It's what they've done in the past when Ukraine has used a new weapon with a greater range. This will result in slower response times for Russian airstrikes. The Russian armed forces have consistently shown it's possible to adapt to new Ukrainian strike capabilities But it always seems to take Russia suffering losses from a Ukrainian attack Russian commanders probably should have seen coming and prepared for. According to the ISW, attackums pose a significant threat to Russian ammunition depots in rear areas and will likely force Russian command to choose between fortifying existing depots or further dispersing ammunition storage throughout the occupied territories. In the Eastern Theater of Operations, the UK Defense Intelligence report on the 18th stated that increased shelling and attacks by specific Russian armies indicate that Russia is amplifying its military activities in the Kupiansk-Liman direction in Kharkiv and Donetsk oblasts, but has been largely unsuccessful so far. According to the report, quote, 
it is highly likely that this activity is part of an ongoing Russian offensive being conducted on multiple axes in eastern Ukraine. The objective of Russian ground forces on the kupiansk liman axis is probably to advance west to the Oskil River to create a buffer zone around Luhansk Oblast. However, Ukrainian forces retain a significant defensive presence on this axis, and it is highly unlikely Russian ground forces will achieve a major operational breakthrough. End quote. According to the ISW, geolocated footage posted on October 16th indicated that Ukrainian forces have advanced northwest of Zaliznyanske, nine kilometers northwest of Bakhmut in Donetsk Oblast. In the southern theater of operations, the GSAFU reported that Ukrainian forces continued counteroffensive actions in the Tokmak direction in western Zaporizhia Oblast and had partial success west of Verbove. The ISW reported on the 18th that Russian sources have expressed significant concern about ongoing Ukrainian activity on the occupied east bank of the Dnipro River in Kherson Oblast, claiming that likely company-sized elements of two Ukrainian marine brigades conducted an assault in an effort to expand a bridgehead, framing the activity as potentially part of a larger Ukrainian operation. It's important to note that the ISW report relies heavily on information provided by Russian mill bloggers without direct confirmation from Ukrainian sources. Having said that, the level of hysteria could be indicative of Russian insecurities about their ability to hold the region should Ukraine attack in earnest. The Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, claimed that Russian forces stopped four Ukrainian sabotage and reconnaissance groups near Pidstepne and Poima, northeast of occupied Olishki, and the GSAFU update this morning reported Russian airstrikes against the village of Pishchanivka, which is on the east bank of the Dnipro near Poima, which does provide at least an indirect confirmation of some of those Russian reports. In the Black Sea, the Center for Transport Strategies reported that three more cargo ships departed from Odessa on October 17th via the temporary Black Sea shipping corridor. So far, 33 vessels have used the humanitarian corridor to get to ports in Odessa, and 24 vessels have successfully left from those ports, including a few that had been stuck in port since the full-scale invasion began in February 2022. In the temporarily occupied territories, Russian forces appear to be preparing to defend occupied Kirim, also called Crimea, according to Atesh, a Ukrainian Kirim-Tatar partisan movement. As Russia grows more and more uncertain about its ability to retain control of Kherson and Zaporizhia oblasts, Russian troops are deploying significant resources to Jankoy on the northern part of the peninsula. A spokesperson for Atesh stated, quote, we continue operating in Jankoy despite the intensified FSB counterintelligence regime. Atesh will do everything possible so that as little Russian equipment and military reach the front. End quote. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. On the home front, the death toll from the Russian missile strike on an apartment block in the city of Zaporizhia has risen to five as emergency services personnel recovered the bodies of three people who had been reported missing. 
five people were taken to the hospital with injuries following the attack. Photos and video posted by police show significant damage to the building, with a gaping hole spanning multiple floors. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky met with Penny Pritzker, the United States Special Representative for Ukraine's Economic Recovery, on October 16th in Kyiv, and discussed financial assistance for Ukraine in the next year, repairing and rebuilding damaged infrastructure, and using frozen Russian assets to help pay for reconstruction efforts. President Zelensky encouraged U.S. businesses to invest in Ukraine and specifically to help rebuild energy infrastructure damaged in targeted Russian attacks. The U.S. will be providing Ukraine with almost $700 million in financial aid to be used to improve Ukrainian railways, ports, border checkpoints, and other transportation and logistics infrastructure, according to Ukrainian Infrastructure Minister Oleksandr Kubrakov who added that his own discussions with Pritzker had touched on preparing for Russian attacks on energy infrastructure this winter, modernizing water and sewage systems, demining and developing agriculture. The Verkhovna Rada, Ukraine's parliament, passed a bill on Tuesday increasing the period of time so-called politically exposed persons, or PEPs, are subject to financial monitoring. Yaroslav Zhelnyak, a lawmaker with the Holos Party, reported that, quote, instead of three years after leaving office, top officials will effectively have lifelong PEP status, end quote. He noted that the bill also, quote, increases the responsibility of primary financial monitoring entities, like banks, for unjustified denial of services to customers, end quote, and meets International Monetary Fund or IMF standards for anti-money laundering and counterterrorism financing. According to the Ukrainian MOD, the number of women serving in the Ukrainian armed forces has increased by 40% since 2021, with almost 43,000 women currently in the service. Prior to the full-scale invasion, women's roles within the AFU were limited, and they primarily served as medical specialists, accountants, clerks, cooks, and signalmen. Those restrictions have since been lifted, and the age limit for signing a military service contract has now risen from age 40 to age 60, which is the existing age restriction for men. In News Worldwide, the Slovak parties Smer SD, Hlas, and the Slovak National Party, or SNS, signed a coalition agreement on Monday. Smer SD leader Robert Fico campaigned on pro-Russian messages and vowed to end Slovakia's military support for Ukraine, though he has stated that he supports humanitarian aid for Ukraine and assistance with reconstruction. President Zelensky spoke with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau this week, reporting on social media that the two discussed the implementation of agreements reached during Zelensky's visit to Canada last month. According to Zelensky's post, discussion mostly centered on the development of Ukrainian hydrogeneration and the completion of the Holodomor Genocide Museum in Kyiv. Holodomor was a man-made famine in 1932 and 1933, perpetrated by the Soviet government against the people of Soviet-occupied Ukraine, that led to the deaths of millions of people from starvation. We visited the completed portion of the museum and memorial when we were in Kyiv, and learning about the incredible scope of loss was heartbreaking. Zelensky also had a phone call with South African President Cyril Ramaphosa to address grain exports and the 10-point peace plan. 
According to Zelensky, quote, We stressed the importance of maintaining the export of Ukrainian grain as it is critical for global food security. It is very important that South Africa supports the Ukrainian peace formula and is ready to participate in the next round of negotiations on its implementation. It is equally important that relations between Ukraine and South Africa are significantly building up. End quote. Quick reminder that South Africa is part of BRICS, a block of burgeoning economies including Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. There was drama over the summer when Ramaphosa informed Russia that the International Criminal Court, or ICC's, warrant for Russian president-slash-dictator Vladimir Putin's arrest would be honored, and Putin detained should he attend the BRICS summit in Johannesburg in person. Putin ended up attending the summit remotely. Let's talk military tech. The Ukrainian MOD announced that it has officially adopted the Leopard 2A6, Leopard 2A5, and Leopard 1A5 main battle tanks as standard for service in the armed forces of Ukraine, stating, quote, By adopting these tanks, we declare our long-term intention to have modern and high-tech weapons, end quote. The Lithuanian armed forces are now working in collaboration with the German defense industry to repair in Lithuania Leopard tanks damaged in combat in Ukraine. Once restored, the vehicles will be sent back to Ukraine for use at the front. According to the Lithuanian MOD, Lithuania has already repaired and returned to service German-provided PZH-2000 self-propelled howitzers damaged in action in Ukraine and trained a group of 18 Ukrainian mechanics how to repair howitzers in the field. Howitzers lose technical capabilities with intense use, so the ability to repair them under battlefield conditions is critical for the Ukrainian armed forces. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to our work on Substack. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Do popatchenye!